All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. They're coming to get you, Barbara. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Here's Johnny. Vanity. Definitely my favorite city. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. The power of Christ compels you! This is my boomstick! What's your favorite scary movie? Hello, horror heads, and welcome to Shiver, a horror movie podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Daniel Devona. And I'm David Uyoa. And we are joined this week by, as I said on our Instagram post, member of the Shiver family, but also actual member of the Uoa family. We've got Lisa here, Dave's sister. How are you, Lisa? I'm good. Hi. Thanks for having me. Glad to have you back. You were awesome on Final Girls, and we're glad you're here. And we are continuing Summer Movie Fan Fest, where we let the we let the fans pick what we're going to watch and then come on and talk about them. And Lisa, your pick this week was? Alien. Alien. Yes, we are going to be discussing the movie Alien. Very excited about this one. It took me all week, but I watched all four seasons, all 102 episodes, and I am <laughs> definitely ready to do this. So... <laughs> The joke there. That's an Alf joke, yeah. people. Sorry, that's an Alf joke. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was waiting for somebody to be like, wait, no, what did you watch? Fun <laughs> fact, Alf was one of David's first words. I, I am legitimately, <laughs> listen, I, this was not planned. This was not planned. But next to me in my office, every time I record, <laughs> motherfucking Alf. <laughs> I am a gigantic Alf fan. Yeah, I we used to watch it, it all the time. Uh, <laughs> But no, seriously, we are doing um, we're doing Alien, the Ridley Scott movie from 1979. Um, and now, if you're familiar with bits and pieces of the Alien franchise, you may be wondering why we're doing an action movie, and that just shows us that you've never seen Alien; you've only seen Aliens and Beyond. So, Lisa, why did you pick Alien? So I am 33 years old, and I only saw it for the first time last week. And um, That's an I know. Reason. Yeah, having Dave as uh, an older sibling. I feel like you failed me, David. We could have seen this sooner, but... Um, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, on this, you, bro. This this one is on me. Um, <laughs> for for all the times that I, I made you sit through Raiders of the Lost Ark and through <laughs> Star Wars, I never made you sit through Alien. Um, and Lisa and I, uh, we were our um, big Disney World fans, and so... Our first introduction to Alien was at the Great Movie Ride at what used to be called uh, MGM Studios, now is Hollywood Studios. And um, so like all those iconic sounds, the sound of the alarm, the sound yeah. of Mother, the computer, uh, the sound of the alien, uh, the look of Sigourney Weaver as Ellen Ripley. I mean, it's all there in the ride. And so when I finally sat down and saw Alien sometime around like 12 or 13, I felt like I had seen it before. And yet it was a totally fresh and, and new experience as it was for Lisa last week. Yeah. When the alarm sound first goes on, <laughs> I turned around to David, who was sitting on the couch next to me because we saw it together. And I was like, oh, my God, that's the sound. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
who needs sound effects? Just hire David. There you know? it is. You're good. <laughs> Just like the I, guy, from, the guy from Police Academy. Th- that's but... it. That's me. Yeah, he's 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 actually my my brother. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, when when Prometheus was uh first uh, when the trailer was first coming out, um, I remember I went with a buddy of mine, George, uh, to go watch a different movie. And we were sitting in the movie theater and the trailer was going on. And I was like, this movie looks pretty cool. And uh, it says Ridley Scott. And then you hear that alarm in the trailer. And I was like, I've only heard that alarm one other time. (laughs) And it's in the alien movies. Is this Ridley Scott coming back to alien? And of course he was. Um, But that's, you know, that's how iconic like some of these, you know, um, like a production pieces are and 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 these sound effects and 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 special effects you know it's uh it's really a one of a kind yeah and i mean and this movie is you know like i said it was it was released in 1979 so it is now 43 years old right give Mm -hmm. or take so 43 years old i mean just critically acclaimed in both science fiction and horror so the the question right from the jump is do you feel like all this praise is is earned is it deserved does it do you still feel like i'll go to lisa first because you just saw it first last week you saw it for the first time last week so seeing it now in 2023, do you feel like the 43 years of praise that it's gotten is deserved? I say yes. Yeah. And there was a lot of hype, like so much hype, <laughs> right? Because that's like everything that you hear. And there were so many parts about the movie that I already knew. Mm-hmm. One, because obviously, I mean, I basically lived it. I went on the great movie ride. That's it. I know the story. <laughs> but there's so many other things about it that I was just like still so totally impressed with even a movie that came out 40 some years ago you know like i feel like there's so many things about it that just hold up you know and there's i was very impressed still and the story is great i there are some flaws that i have to it but it's more just like a common sense things i'm like (laughs) i would turn around to david and be like these are the stupidest freaking people i've ever seen (laughs) (laughs) dave what about you man you still feel like it earns it uh, oh, absolutely, man. This is one of those that um, I wouldn't say I rewatch Alien all the time, uh, but it is one that I put on a- about every two or three years or so. Uh, I may move on to Aliens after it, uh, but very rarely do I move on to Alien 3 or Alien Resurrection. And I, I, th- I think a lot of the reason why is because this one really is a horror movie. Right. Um, and and the it's a it's it's a space thriller, you know, and there's science fiction uh, and and there there is a little bit of action, but it's it's really a horror movie. And and this is what um, what always brings me back to this movie is um, it still terrifies me. It is yes. still a movie that has me on the edge of my seat. Uh, there are some scenes of this movie that no matter how many times I've seen them continue to give me goosebumps they continue to make me hold my breath until the scene is over and uh particularly if you're watching the extended cut of of some of these uh some of these scenes like the chestburster scene um you know they they get really really crazy and 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 um it holds up incredibly well uh like from a technical aspect this movie's flawless there is not one time where I say, I know how they did that. Right. 
And and I do know how they did that because I've read <laughs> because I've read so much about this movie and I've watched the documentaries about this movie. Um, and yet while I'm watching the movie, I'm like, no, there's an alien coming out of that guy's chest right now. Right. You know, yeah. that that that's a fucking face hugger that just rammed its cock down that guy's throat. <laughs> the thing, man. I, I think that every bit of praise this movie's ever gotten is well-deserved. This is the, you know, umpteenth time that I have seen Alien. I, I adore this movie. Um, I was I, It was one of those ones that I just didn't think about to do until he suggested. I was like, oh, hell yes. God, yes. And so, like, there, there are so many things about this movie. One thing about this movie, this is a movie that makes me um, really jealous at one point because I wish... I could have been like a theater goer in 79 and yeah. not known what was coming in that chest burster scene. Be like, because like, oh, yeah, you're right. There are still parts that scare me and that part is still amazing. But like, I can't even imagine what it must've been like to be sitting in a theater in 79 and see that scene that's been parodied a billion yeah. times now. You know, now it's just everybody knows that. Even by John Hurt. Yes, exactly. <laughs> in Spaceballs. Even John yeah. Hurt has done it. <laughs> and so it's just like, like, it, like, this is every time I get to that scene, I'm like, God, yeah, I love this scene so much. And then it happens, and I'm like, every time I'm like, oh, it must have been incredible to like sit there and see this happen. Like back before the internet, back when trailers were like yeah. 30 seconds long and the trailer was basically just the spaceship and like in space, no one can hear you scream. And that's like the whole freaking trailer. <laughs> like, like people just, you wouldn't have had any idea of knowing what was about to happen when Hurt freaks out and hits that table. Uh, but I agree with you guys. I mean, 40 something years, it was still terrifying last night. Uh, I, I just, I love so many things that they do in this movie. I love the fact that when you look at this movie from beginning to end, half of it is really slow, but it's not boring. Yeah. It's, it's a really slow movie for the first half, but it's so tense all the time that it's never boring, even when it's slow for that first half. And I think that that's something that a lot of filmmakers try and fail at miserably. And yeah. so that was, I, I had that thought going into it last night. I was like, all right, it's been a long time. And I was like, and I do remember it's been a while. It, it goes a long time before like, there's a lot of action. Like there's a couple little things here and there. Mm -hmm. And so I was sitting there and I was like, is that going to be ruined by knowing and remembering everything that's going to happen? But it really wasn't like they do such a great. Did we, did we lose? Was that okay? I thought it was me. Cause okay. I had yeah, terrible I thought it was internet the entire day. <laughs> all that oh, okay. Wait, Devona, that... we totally lost you for a second and now you're back. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. It, it, it cut out on mine too. I don't know what my internet's doing, but um, so as long as I'm back, it's now. doing something. But, um, I just, yeah, exactly. So, and I just, I just think that for years to come, like when people go to watch this movie, like I, I don't think this is one that's ever going to lose its sheen. No, and I think that something that you were mentioning, too, is uh, the building of the suspense. I mean, obviously, I know the highlights, right? Like, you know, the alien bursting from the chest, like all that good stuff. I know what it would look like and everything like that. But there were certain aspects about the movie that I just didn't know. And um, but the suspensefulness, there was even one point where I turned around to David and I don't know if it's the music or it's just like 
the vast nothingness that's around on the planet or what but i just turned around and i was like the suspense is killing me right now like i am just like it's wild and i was just like i could literally feel myself like holding in my breath even when nothing was happening just because i kept thinking something's about to happen you know and and even when you know that something's going to happen like the scene in the air ducts in the vents yes with uh with captain dallas you know that something's going to happen. It's like shit's going to get fucked up, right? Because shit is already fucked up. And we, we know that the, the alien has, has gotten bigger and stronger. How smart is it, though? Right. And, and, and this, and, 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 you know, that's, that's part of, like you were saying that, that, that buildup that um, I think only a master like Ridley Scott can do, Um, you know, because like, like you said, it, it, it is a slow burn. The first 30 minutes of the movie is just exposition. It's just yeah, getting yeah. you to the point where now we can just let this monster loose. Right. Yeah. Um, so and that, that kind of leads us to, um, I, I think, our first topic of discussion here. So uh, this is a monster movie. Right. No right. doubt. But this is a totally different monster than what we've ever seen before. Um and we'll get to the monster itself later, right? Um, does the story itself, the 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 plot, does that work? Is it exciting? Is it terrifying? Um, what about this story? Like, what does it do for you, Daniel? So, what's interesting about this, uh, the story to this movie is, for the first half, maybe call it two thirds of the movie. The story, the story itself is real two-dimensional. Like there, there's not a ton to it. It's just like, okay, there's this space tug and it ends up in the wrong place. And then they're, they follow a random distress signal. Like it's all just kind of point A to point B stuff. Mm-hmm. So for the first little bit, you're watching it and you're like, ah, I mean, yeah, this movie's great. But yeah, story-wise, okay. You know, I'm not looking for much. It's a monster movie. But then after... The after the reveal uh, in Mother, where you find out that that you know Ash has uh, has hijacked the entire mission, and that and that actually this is the mission, and that's why mm-hmm. he lets him in and all that. Like at that point, the story becomes like that that little twist in the story that's basically the end of the story, because then the rest of it is just getting off Survival. of the ship. Yeah. yeah, but that little bit makes all that kind of you know, just exposition at the beginning that, that felt very vanilla. It makes it all that much better because you spend all this time kind of seeing just what they're going through. And they're just as confused as you the whole time. You know, you eventually found out everybody but Ash is. And so the lack of story until the grand reveal at that moment works amazingly well because they they kind of lull you into this idea that it is just a monster movie. And look, ah, we dropped them in the middle of space and look at what they got attacked by. And, you know, and now what, you know, so you're just waiting for that moment, but just that one little bit right there makes everything that you've gone through um, in the, the, the kind of banality of the exposition in the first half worthwhile. And so that, and you, 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 that's something that, and I feel like this is something we're going to end up saying a lot today, but I mean, that's just, 
that's just something that Ridley Scott is just going to pull off perfectly. And I know he didn't write it. I, I am aware that Ridley Scott did not write it. But the way that that all of the events led up to that and how great that moment was makes every bit of the exposition in the beginning worthwhile. So you end up with this really good story that's a lot more than just survive the alien attack. Suddenly it's the government is willing to sacrifice their own people. And, you know, whether it be the earth government or the American government or, you know, whatever it is at this point in the future is, is the corporation, the corporation. That's right. It's the corporation, you know, but you, you, you see that, you see that idea of people becoming a commodity in order to increase mm-hmm. your military power and things like that. So you you get this one, which is a fucking fantastic scene top to bottom with, <laughs> with Ash and Ripley. But you get this one little thing where she finally gets the last piece of the puzzle from Mother. And then you're like, oh my God, everything up to this point makes so much sense. Now, like I've been so sold on these being just blue collar people in a shit situation. And now I understand that the reason for them making me understand that they're just blue collar people in a shit situation is to, is to remind me that you're always just a cog in the machine to somebody with money. Right. And so then you, it's like, like I said, you understand why you weren't given much of a story for that first half. Lisa? Yeah, I mean, the betrayal from Ash is, like, wild. I definitely did not see that coming, like, at all. And then, I, I mean, was not watching the TV when, yeah. when that <laughs> happened. I was watching Lisa, and I was trying to do it subtly so that she wouldn't notice. I always, I always love that moment. You know something's yeah. coming, so you don't, you don't want them to know, so you're trying to, like, just turn your head just enough to get them out of the corner of your eye. Like, what are you going to do here? Yeah, and the whole thing ends and I turn around to David like jaw on the floor and he goes, bet you didn't know that part about the movie. (laughs) And I was like, nope, I did not. (laughs) What's what's even funnier about that moment is I saw Aliens before I ever saw Alien. And so the first time I went in to see Alien, I was like, all right, I know she's going to get betrayed by an android because, you know, that's why she hates Bishop and Aliens. And Mm -hmm. so I was like, but then the whole time I'm like, well, where is the fucking android right. that betrays her? Like, yeah, like I knew she android? got betrayed by an android. Ian but I was just like, plays does he show so up so later? Well. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. No, he's fantastic. I mean, honestly, I, I mean, I was watching that and I was just like, it totally changed the whole vibe of everything, yes. right? Because then exactly, like, it's all these blue collar guys. You know, you've got, um, oh, gosh, who are these two guys? Parker and uh, the other guy that works in the, like, the lower deck with him. Oh, um, yeah. Um, um brett right brett. yeah brett, yes. brett and so parker. you've got parker and brett who are just like your typical like working class man right right they're just like i just want to be here and do my job get my money and go home this is the epitome of not my problem like situation just ask, sitting there rolling ask, his cigarette ask him about the shares ask him about the shares yeah. <laughs> right. but you just just sitting there smoking a cigarette while rolling another one right right, <laughs> right. You just you just say right for everything he says. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, and and you've got them both where they were just like, okay, we're not going to go check out this distress signal. So it's like no, and then they're like, but you're not going to get paid if you don't. They're like, all right, then great idea. Let's go check this yeah. out. Right. So I mean, I just felt like it was so relatable. Of like, this is what it would be like if there were like, you know, if we're in the future and it's just these working people on this mining ship that have to go and do their job, right? And so. To kind of see, you know, it become obviously more than just um, 
you know, just this monster, right? And it's so many more things than just the monster. It's the conspiracy between the corporation and then also the betrayal from this, you know, android and all this stuff. And it's just, um, yeah, it was... Uh, yeah. Number one fan Frank Kowalski says, I definitely thought Jonesy Cat was conspiring with Ash the whole time. <laughs> he let he let he led Brett right to the alien. He did. He did. <laughs> yeah. Um can't can't trust a cat. Um no. yeah, I, I have to I have to mimic what everyone else is saying here. Um part of what that scene with Ripley and Mother um terrifies every time with me is that I then go back and start picking apart all the different parts of the story that seem yes. meaningless and now are entirely meaningful. Yeah. Uh, you know, so all, all the, all the little things that particularly Ash did throughout the movie, uh, like knowing the exact code. I mean, of course he's an Android, so he would. Right. But you don't know that at the beginning of that scene. Right. Right. And, and the fact that, you know, he's like, well, actually this specific proviso in your contract says that you have to respond to an SOS or you give up all your shares. Right. And of course that gets Parker and Brett to like immediately jump on board with it like oh yeah no of course yeah we're we're, we're gonna respond to the signal of course we are you know uh why he is the science officer aboard this ship would break with protocol right uh and ripley who is you know in command effectively since you know uh, captain and first mate are off the ship um you know why why would he do that you know, if he knows protocol so well, why would he do that? Right. Uh, the the drinking of what we think is milk in the laboratory is not milk oh, at all. Right. It's, right. Lub it's lubricant. Right. We see, see, I thought that was one of those like everywhere. got milk situations where <laughs> we as children always had to drink milk. And I was like, they're just trying to preemptively tell us. We need to drink milk, you know, strong bones. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's that's one of the things. It's like, well, you know, wh why would they have that in that scene? You know, uh, and and you, you think back on it, like, you know, an android doesn't need to eat, doesn't need to drink. No, but it doesn't need to lubricate itself. Right. And, and when the ship has been going on this, you know, chaotic turn for so long and he has not been able to to take care of his inner workings that's when his body starts to like behave so erratically and jerky you yes. know uh, towards towards the uh, towards the end of that scene after that reveal right so god i, I love every freaking time i love that so much when he's just like flinging himself like all around that computer room with yeah. mother ah oh, so good it's uh, it's uh, and, and it's really scary. Yeah, really scary. In fact, like I, I put that scene of him freaking out up on the level of the chestburster. You know, the yeah. chestburster is arguably the most iconic scene in the movie, but that is right up there for me. Like it's that level of of of, of terror that's going on there, because who can you trust then? If you can't trust your own crew, and, and again, this is something that Ripley brings up. If everyone had just listened to Ripley from the very honestly, <laughs> you know, there's, 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 I mean, there's no fucking movie, you know, so that's right, something. you know, but, but also like, you know, fuck, just listen to Ripley, you know, uh, because she tells Dallas, she's like, 
you know, how many how many times have you served with right. this guy? And he says, this is the first time. She was like, you know, when did they put him on, you know, on, on our crew? And he says, well, it was the day before. I didn't even meet him until we got on here. You know, so there's all these things that are mounting. They're building until that reveal. That reveal, like you said, you know, and this is two thirds of the way through the movie. Yeah. We're already in survival mode there. From that point on, it's just we got to blow up this fucking ship. And yeah, that, life yeah. you know, and, and it is just, you know, balls to the wall from that yeah. point on. Yeah, the, the ash reveal is is like I said, it, it's point of no return. And like I said, story wise, it, it's kind of the end of it. But yeah, in that moment, it's like, all right, well, fuck it. Like, you know, ship's done. We're done. Let's get out of here. You know, like that's yeah. that that's the moment when when they realize that, you know, that they're considered worthless. And there's yeah. and also that, you know, the, the ash reveal. That's also when he tells them, you know, this is this is the perfect killing machine. You know, and that that's that's literally all the the only knowledge they have about it is to be born. It bursts out of someone's chest. It grows at a freakish rate, and it's being referred to by the science officer as the perfect killing machine. Yeah, right. time to go. Yeah. <laughs> there is there is no victory here. And then it it, it does give the movie a, a bit of depth too, because then it's it's not just a monster movie. Right. Because every good monster movie has to be about something. Otherwise, it's forgettable. Right. And this is totally about corporate greed. This is yes. totally yeah. uh, about the, the way the corporations take advantage of people. Right. You know, all other considerations expendable or all crew expendable. Yes. You know, the only thing that matters is this asset for the company which they only ever refer to as the company in this. When you come to later find out the name of the company and that they have government contracts, you know, it's yes. akin to uh, so, something like uh, like Boeing or something like that. You know, um, it's 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 amazing. It, it's it's amazing what one scene in this movie does because it it changes it all. Right, because the monster isn't the monster. The monster is the corporation. The monster is the corporation. Yeah. They're the ones that went and disturbed this sleeping giant, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, it was it was doing all right. Yeah. <laughs> right, they were fine. It, was, it wasn't chilling. bothering anybody. Yeah. <laughs> like, like in that moment in time, the aliens are like, we're good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, we're just gonna hang out. So we we've talked about how you know we 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 eventually reached the point where. You know, they, they've got it. They've got to get out. They decide to blow up the ship. And so we've got to take a second to talk about the God, I can never say it right. Nostromo. Yeah. Um, the Nostromo as a setting like we uh, we we do get a little bit of time on the planet. We get a little bit of time on the shuttle. But most of this movie takes place on the Nostromo. Just the the it's a space tug like it's it's mm -hmm. a wrecker that, that works with spaceships. But as a setting for the movie, like how does it affect the way the movie feels for you as you watch, Dave? Um, for me, the the Nostromo is the perfect setting for this because it makes the movie feel so claustrophobic. There's the I, word. I, I feel like I know this ship, and there's there's this great scene where the. Uh, the Nostromo is landing on LV426, the, the meteor that they're going to you know, investigate. And you get a great shot of the scale of the Nostromo to the people. Yes. 
And the people are not actually as small as you would think that they would be in relation to the Nostromo. The Nostromo is not that big. There's, you know, there's an engine room. There's a you know, medical facility, science lab, whatever you want to call it. There's the mess hall. There's, you know, the, the cockpit, you know, whatever that room where that. it's raining. Uh, <laughs> right. So that's, I don't know why it's raining in that room. Uh, they, they, they referred to it as like, they said he pulled him up into like a cooler vent. So I was like, okay, it's like condensation because Probably, that's where stuff is yeah. cooling. That's, um, that's, that's what I'm chalking that one up to. But yes, there's the rain room. And, and it, which I'm it, sure it, when not infested by aliens is very refreshing. <laughs> probably. Well, I mean, uh, Brett sits there and takes a bath. Yeah, you know? he's good. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and it, it's where they keep all of their mining equipment. So, you know, yeah. it's uh, and, and, and that's it. You know, there's a storage room where it rains and then that's it. That's fucking crazy. Like, yeah. you're, you're it's talking, terrifying. you're talking about a house and 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 like not even a massive house, like not a mansion. You know, like just just a big house. Right. <laughs> and no yard because your yard is fucking nothingness. Right. You know, so like that to me is the best use of setting that this movie could have possibly had because LV426 is entirely inhospitable. Right. And 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 it's uh, it's great. The uh, the alien spaceship with its massive size, God, right? That throne room. And that yes, that that room. The the uh, I, I always call it the cannon room because there's there's that alien sitting in front of the yeah. cannon, yeah. which they which they come to address in Prometheus, and you know it kind of brings the movies full circle, and that's really nice, right? Um, and the, those walkways, you know, the way that they're built, like that's, that's great. Very alien, very foreign. Right. Um, and then there's, there's the, the shuttle, the, I always call it the lifeboat, but I mean, it's really about the Nostromo and the Nostromo feels so industrial. Like it doesn't feel like a place where people would live. And really they don't because like the only place where they have to sleep is like the 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 chamber like the cryo where, where they, chambers. The, the cryo chambers yeah. where they wake up you know this is not built for comfort um it is not like anything that you see on star wars and this movie comes out two years after star wars right and it's not like anything that you saw in 2001 a space odyssey which came yeah. out about 10 years before. And it's not like anything you'd seen in Star Trek, which came out, uh, you know, about five years before that. So it, 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 this is a totally different kind of spaceship. It's totally utilitarian, totally industrial. You can tell that, like, this was a, a purpose-built ship. And its purpose is not for you to survive. It's right. purpose is for you to mine. And yet now you have to survive on this thing. Sidebar. It, I had no idea 2001 A Space Odyssey was released in the 60s. Yeah, man. I yeah. did not realize that movie was that old. Well, Just, and like you, you were like, 2001 A Space Odyssey came up 10 years before that. I was like, bullshit. No, yeah, mm -hmm. 11 years before. Like, I did yeah, oh, not there you know go. that. Yeah. Wow. It, it, was, it was before the lunar landing. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's that's one of those, those things that, like, great attention to detail will, like, take your movie – to to the stratosphere because 2001 a space odyssey lives on and it right. looks timeless absolutely timeless it's not dated at all if you watch it today 
the spaceship design, nothing about it yeah. is, is I mean, yeah, just, I, I, I genuinely had no idea that it just, was that just like Star Wars, just like Alien. If Alien came out today, if you told me Alien was released on Netflix today, I would believe it. Right. Because there's there's nothing about the movie to suggest that it was not released today. And I think that's what I like about it. The fact that it's very industrial, right? Because these are working people. They didn't try to make it this futuristic thing, right? Mm -hmm. Like the set itself is what it is. It was very timeless. You know, it could have been something from, you know, a, a mine shaft from, you know, back then or a mine shaft from now. Like it's just, it is what it is. And so I love that about it. But exactly like what David's saying, it's not built one for comfort and two to survive. Like, it is absolutely terrifying. I think the only thing that I can kind of equate it to, because I've never been in space, um, is just being in the middle no? of the ocean. <laughs> no, I haven't. Contrary to popular belief. Yeah, I have okay. not. Okay, hang on. We got to dump Lisa because we had her on here. For her space. <laughs> we were under the impression that you had I'm been so sorry. My credentials are all this. messed up. Yeah, no, I'm so sorry. I straight up bamboozled you. Um, the, uh, you know what? A, a deep, deep sea is is it's good, terrifying uh, yeah like that is the only other thing that i can kind of think of is like somewhat and, and you know david and i have been on you know cruises before and stuff like that and where you are sometimes at like you know the back of the ship and it's pitch black and you're looking out and there is just nothingness and that is terrifying but at least you can kind of think okay if i really swam enough i could be saved you're right. in the freaking middle of space. <laughs> Nothing is nearby you. They even say it's like we're not even in like the zone of where we should be. Like we were woken up way too soon. Yeah. So just the fact that like you're there and there is absolutely nothing that can help you. I mean, it's just terrifying. And it makes it even more scary when you think about the fact that you are trapped in there with it. Like, and you can't escape it. Your only thing is to get it out and you can't even try to do that, you know? So it's just, um, the set, I think, is just, it's so perfectly thought of, you know? Like, it's just, it is and, a masterpiece. And for <laughs> as tight and as small as everything is, to them be like, and you know what? We're going to do a whole scene where it's just Tom Skerritt crawling through an air yeah. vent yeah. you know so they're like they're like hey you're already feeling claustrophobic wait till we squeeze oh this guy into a five by five hole yeah. <laughs> like, and, like, you and know there's one part where david uh david and i are talking about you know the fact that like yeah like dallas is going through that and everything like that and i'm watching it and they're like oh the fire it's supposed to help them and all this stuff like you know to help ward it off and all this stuff and i turn around to david i go but wait it likes the heat it likes the humidity all this stuff and like like i would have been terrified watching this movie with anybody else other than David because I was like these idiots it's gonna bring it right to them and so I was just like on the edge of my seat I was like poor Dallas he's 100% about to get eaten right yeah. now like that's what's gonna happen and so like and so you, you take where you're already I mean every time all of them are in a room they're all shoulder to shoulder you know yeah. they're sitting around this table but the, their, their backs are to the wall when they're around it but so you take all of that and then yeah then you cram this one guy you know the captain of the ship into what is an unwinnable situation. We yeah. all knew that watching, mm -hmm. but you, you know, and he's crawling. And then those scenes where they show like the, the, I don't know, the, the, the aperture. Like it's an iris. iris. Yeah. There's the word I'm looking for. Yes. The James yeah. Bond, the James Bond opening credits. Thing. <laughs> um, aperture was not wrong either. Oh, okay. Thank yeah. you. Hey, <laughs> 
fancy art word. Um, and so, but they they show them, they show them closing those things, and every time one of those closes, like it's it's that feel, it's that uh, it's that anaconda like vice feeling, right? Where it's like you mm-hmm. breathe out and then you can't breathe in that much anymore. Like every time one of those closes, it's an exhale, and then you you can breathe a little bit less. Those shots, like that, that's it was such a genius move to already sell what is claustrophobic as being ridiculously claustrophobic mm-hmm. and then to literally show you, you know, it's, I mean, that is, that is a visual representation of claustrophobia. It's like, Hey, watch all of these sides close in and leave you with only that much space. <laughs> and so they, he knew exactly what everybody was going to be feeling in that moment. And then took the time to multiple times show, like make you feel it even more. And every freaking time those things close up like i tighten up a little bit more and i'm like oh god it's getting closer it's getting closer you and know then and then it's it's it, sold by lambert who yes who's saying okay he's going this way he's going that way until you find out that it's playing with its food yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's yeah. it's it's like a cat you know with with a mouse it's it, it's it's a genius genius scene yeah and like the i also love and this is something that they toyed with um, to greater surprise and extent in Aliens. But I always love that the the idea that they've got this great motion motion tracker technology, but it only works on the one plane, yeah. regardless of the fact that you know we live <laughs> in three dimensions. And so it's 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 like like on the surface level, you're like that's fucking amazing. They can track it wherever it is, and then you're like, oh people and things exist in three dimensions and that is just giving you this one flat oh okay they're in front of me maybe (laughs) and i always like and in this one it's like you can only imagine there's like a maze of these air ducts and they're like all right it's coming right for you and it's like from where shit i don't know man like (laughs) i see you as a dot which way are you facing i got nothing i don't even know which dot you are man (laughs) this one's still are you facing left or right? <laughs> Wait, like, uh... yeah, exactly. So I love that. I love that every time we're presented with with a new technology, like in this movie, we're immediately kind of reminded of how useless it is against these things. You know, it's like we see these super high tech spacesuits, and and they're going out, and they're told it's like, no, nothing can survive out there. That's okay. We've got these spacesuits. And the face hugger's like, yeah, fuck you. Like, just yeah. straight through the glass. Like, every time they have... The, the beautiful thing about that is that it didn't crack the glass. It melted it. Yes. It and melted so, it. And so every time we're presented with some amazing technology, we're just like, yeah, they're still better than that. And I love that, I love that idea of like, no, no, no. When we say perfect killing machine, nothing nothing can save you you run or you die and so i just i I do i love all those little elements that they toss in there but man just the air shafts like that's the part that always gets me like that is my i'm short of breath like i'm just barely hanging in there like i know what's coming but i just it gets me every damn time and just so great when he the way it's this movie, the 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 sets and the things like that work amazingly with uh, light and dark. Yeah, uh, I mean this this is this is a a case study in in how to light a set 
and and create the atmosphere that you want. Like those scenes when Dallas is in the air vents and he just like fires off the flamethrower and you get this one quick illumination. Yeah. So you're always wondering if maybe you just missed it. Like, was it there and I didn't see it? Um, all those times when when there when there's just the 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 like steam shooting down and stuff like that, just all those things that obscure your vision. But it's not it's not ridiculous to think that you're that it would be dark when you're in space and everything's tight or that just some steam would obscure your vision because it's a narrow hallway. All of those things they do that make the movie scarier work as well as they do because you're in such a small space. Yeah, I mean, even so in towards the end when, you know, Sigourney Weaver's character is leaving on the escape pod and you know, you know the alien is in there with her, right? Like you just know. And then just the wonderful use of space in between of like making it look like it's the pipes, you yes. know? Oh my God. I mean, genius. Like I turned around to David and I was like, I knew it was going to happen, but it was still creepy. Like it was still <laughs> like bone chilling to see it like moving out of there. I was just like, holy crap. Like it was just genius. Absolutely well thought out. Yeah. And e even the the camera angles in that scene where she's trying to get her spacesuit on because she's going to blow open the door. Right. Um, it's it's he doesn't shoot it, which would be like the logical thing outside of that, like storage closet where you right. still see her getting dressed. No, he puts the camera inside yeah. of the storage closet angles it up so that you feel like you're cramped in there with her right like it's, yeah. it's a it's a brilliant use of really tight space to make you feel that uh, okay we had an entire spaceship before which wasn't much and now we have a room in a closet yes <laughs> yeah like it's I, like the 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 only way that those those scenes keep getting tighter is if you somehow cram ellen ripley into a mailbox like that. right. <laughs> that's like all that's left at that point and and, be, and the, it was man it's just every time just smaller and smaller so um we've talked about the story we've talked about the setting um this cast of characters uh, very famously was blind casted. I did not know that until I got the show notes, by the way. Oh, did you? No. Okay, so um, there, uh, when Dan O'Bannon wrote the screenplay, he gave no indication as to gender for anyone. And so when Fox got this, they basically gave um, Ridley Scott carte blanche. Okay. He, he said, well, I'm, I'm just, I'm going to cast this however I want. And so we have all these characters who fulfill the role that I think that they're supposed to fill, right? Um, between uh, Dallas and Kane, who are um, captain and first mate, we've got uh, Ellen Ripley, who's second officer, right? We've got Lambert, we've got... Um, Ash that we've talked a lot about as our science um, specialist. And then we've got Parker and Brett uh, working in the trenches, right? That's pretty much it. That's our crew. That's the entire movie yeah. with the, ex with the exception of the alien, which we'll get right. to. Right. Um, so was there any character that to you 
particularly stands out or you feel was like really well defined, like some character where you can say like you, you can point out and say that one or 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 these characters, they really blew me away. Lisa? Oof. I mean, Sigourney Weaver was fantastic, right? Like there's no doubt. I mean, absolutely. I feel like that's the obvious choice 100%. Um, I, I just think that unbelievable like you know on top of the fact that her character is just so logical you know i mean and just so incredibly like you know i'm doing this for my team i want my team to survive if we let in the alien that or if we let in kane then we're all dead as opposed to just one person being dead you know um but so like her character is just so wild but i gotta say i gotta give props also to ash I mean, absolutely wild. The fact that I never saw the fact that he was, you know, not human until that last possible moment of like when he wasn't. And then I was just like, oh, damn, you know, got us, got us good. So, yeah, I would have to say Ripley and Ash. Um, and then if I had to do like an honorable, like, you know, mention of different characters, Lambert and Parker, the only other two people that were somewhat logical in, on that whole crew. <laughs> Lambert says right away, ah, when they're in the ship originally, when they go onto the planet or moon, whatever it is that you would call it. She's like, I don't think we should be here. We should not <laughs> be here. And I was like, we should listen to her. We should 100% <laughs> listen to her. And then later on, Parker said something. And I was like, yeah, we should listen to her. And then I just turned around to David at one point, And I was like, these are the dumbest smart people ever because they are all like doing these amazing things but then also they are so incredibly dumb like for example i went on a whole rant with david about this the other day <laughs> why did they not do like a full body scan of kane after he just mysteriously woke up right like, they did one before but they didn't do it after like had they not done that they would have been like something's not right with this guy maybe he won't just you know expire in the middle of our dining room table you know like something well like, yeah. <laughs> it, i i didn't i didn't answer you at the time because i didn't want to give it away but had ash done oh that, you're true oh, yeah. you're so they, right, but, it, it, yeah. would have, it would have been known that there was something gestating inside of him ash i think had that impression i think ash knew when he saw that the face hugger was feeding him nutrients that it was feeding him nutrients because he was a host body. Mm, and, yeah. uh, and I think Ash has an idea, although he doesn't know everything, but he has an idea of what the Xenomorph is and how it works. And so had Ash done that because it would have been Ash to suggest it, right. Uh, had Ash done that or agreed to it, if someone else suggested it right away, they would have known. Well, and, I mean, and, at and one point, Parker says something like, why don't we just freeze them? And like, if nothing, yeah. Ash is like, D they just don't even, you know, I turn around to David. I was like, see, another logical person on this ship and yeah. they are just ignoring them. <laughs> no, it, 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 it all makes sense. And that, that is what makes the most sense. Um, but Ash can't do that. Yeah, right. no, you're right. You're absolutely right. I hadn't thought about that. He, so. he doesn't yeah. know how this thing is going to react if they put it in cryostasis. Yeah. He, he needs to get it to the company alive. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. those are my people. <laughs> like uh, when, man, when, like when I watched this, 
you know, it's you're 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 right. I mean, Ripley Ripley's the obvious choice here, right? Sigourney Weaver just just absolutely killed this. But you're uh, when it comes down to it, like if John Hurt's on screen, like that's that's who's going to have my eye. Just in 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 decades and decades of watching movies, if John Hurt's on screen, like I, I'm watching John Hurt, and he did a great job in one of the more limited roles. You yeah. know, he he spends spends a lot of time with just space hugger on, but then he gets to be the the chest bursty. Um, and so that's great. But, um, I want to take a second to just acknowledge sexy ass Tom Skerritt with the beard though. Like, yes, like like it's, it's, it's 2022 now. So, you know, we tend to just think of 88 year old Tom Skerritt, you know, as he is now, or, or even if not, even if not, as he is now, like river runs through it, Tom Skerritt, hang on a second. My son's getting ice. (laughs) <laughs> you can tell it's summertime it's almost yeah, 10 o'clock <laughs> exactly um so yeah like we, we tend to think of like i said tom scarrett as he is now or even like i said a river runs through it tom scarrett but it was like to go back and see like 79 man's man tom scarrett is like damn son like okay <laughs> like i like i you know like you just it's just one of those things you just you forget about you know like in the same wavelength but I forget that Bruce Willis used to have hair sometimes, right? Like you just, yeah. you know, you just, you just get used to a certain, a certain aspect of someone. And so it's always like to go back and see Tom Skerritt in that role. And I love that he didn't play the role of like ridiculously cocky captain. I love that he played the role of like, I don't know any more than you. And this is the science officer. Why would we not listen to him? And, and, you know, he, he's a guy who listens to his crew. He's not just a all the time do it. Cause I said, do it. Mm-hmm. I do love the way that he plays that role. And I think that having someone like a Tom Skerritt play that role instead of, you know, if you just gone with, with some big guy or something like that, you know, some like machismo type captain, I don't think that you would have gotten the same depth of character out of Dallas that Tom Skerritt brought. He, brought a captain who I didn't hate because he did listen to his people and he did seem to genuinely care. And I mean, first he, he's the one who volunteers to go crawl, crawl through these air ducts. Right. And so he's a guy who's genuinely looking out for his people who cares. And, and what Scarrett brought to that role other than his beard was just an <laughs> incredible, like kind of tenderness to this guy who has like we said, he doesn't seem to have a lot of life comforts. You know, he sleeps in a cryo chamber. He kind of hangs out with a bunch of guys that don't always get along. You know, like real life type stuff. And and he made that role relatable, so that was really cool. Um, I'm, I mean, I'm also going to comment on uh, Sigourney Weaver. I mean, this is a movie that made her. Um, I put her on like the list of greatest final girls of all time. Although that's not a final girl. That's a final woman. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Like uh, (laughs) Jamie Lee Curtis in Halloween. That's a final girl. Uh, (laughs) Sigourney Weaver in alien. That's a final woman. Um, uh, So it's, and it's very different too the way she plays it. She doesn't play her like a little girl. She, She plays her like, like a full grown woman. You know, we, the um, only time we ever really see her freak out is when she tries to overturn the the self destruct sequence, and then when it yeah. doesn't happen, she she's got like twelve seconds where she's upset and kind of frantic, and she's like, "All right, time and to get she back kicks to business." Right back yeah. into yeah. like badass mode. Yeah. Um. Uh, for for me, the there's there's two characters that 
draw me in every single time. Uh, and it's Brett and Parker. Um, <laughs> those those two. I mean, and Yafet Koto is like one of the most accomplished actors of of the 70s. And, um, you know, it, this was I, I mean, I don't know if it was something experimental for him, but, um, you know, he was he was known to be a badass and he plays a badass in this movie so well. Uh, but I am also a huge fan of Harry Dean Stanton, uh, yeah. who played Brett. And, um, he's that guy who, you know, from that movie. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, he did a whole bunch of smaller roles. Um, he was Molly Ringwald's dad in pretty in pink. Um, he was in Christine, uh, the green mile, um, a movie I think that's, a little bit overrated repo man. He plays a somewhat larger role. Um, and then it, really, he only starred in two movies, uh, one called Paris, Texas, which is a fantastic, like fantasy drama. Okay. Really, really great. Uh, it's like some guy just wanders in from the desert after like years of missing. And he just comes back and tries to pick up with his life. And like, it's, kind of sad but uh beautiful at the same time uh just like the other movie he starred in uh called lucky which is uh about a uh you know a 90 some odd year old man which he was um who is uh like in pretty good condition except one day he falls and finds out that he's dying and um uh, oh. so mentally he's okay but physically he's not and uh he's an atheist so he has to come to terms with what that means for him now does he stick to his beliefs and you know kind of realize that his life as he knows it is over or does he come to believe something else so you know it's um uh he's such a great underrated actor uh, um, he was in the twin peaks movie um, yes and was yeah and firewalk with me and was yeah. great in that too yeah he's he's uh that's right he is in that I yeah he was in firewalk <laughs> with me um i forget about firewalk with me because i think about twin peaks often but i don't think about the film yeah. um yeah those those two are really the the i mean and and lambert i love lambert because she's um she's so practical you know um, and she's one of the only ones that I think lets her true emotions out. Like she wears her heart on her sleeve, you know? So like she, she never whines, she never complains, but you can always tell that she is yeah. like worried to death. Yeah. And, and, and it's, and, and it's genuine on her. Um, Th that's 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 the right word i was sitting here trying to think of, of the what but you're right it's genuine like when yeah. when you see the way she reacts to things like you like dallas you're, you're in, in. in in the vents her reaction to dallas in the vents you know she's like oh my god it's right there it's on you get out of there you know like the yeah. the way that she emotes is um it's terrifying it's terrifying because i i feel like i am actually seeing someone go through those emotions yeah yeah so, uh, so that, that, that would be my three. So those are the human characters, right? And obviously they're very important, but the movie is called alien. And there is <laughs> one massive hulking character that we have yet to discuss. And that is the alien also known as a xenomorph. 
uh, now has a, a, a movie monster that like all good movie monsters do have transcended just these movies. It is just part of the zeitgeist now. Even if you've never seen Alien or Aliens or anything from the franchise, you know about this big dome head monster with the other mouth that comes out of its mouth. Like these are things that you just know now. But this was the cinematic birth of the xenomorph. And so when you look at the alien as a character in this movie, what does it bring to the screen that is just makes it so amazing? I mean, that's really the only word I can think of. Like what, what, what does it do that just makes it something that you're, once you've seen it, you're never going to forget Dave. Um, For me, it's the, the fact that, it is us, but is also the most foreign thing you could possibly think of. It's us as a perfect killing machine. Right. Um, and, and it's not really something that I think you understand in this movie. You kind of have to watch the other alien movies to get that. Um, it's, it's certainly hinted at in this movie, but it's, they don't even call it a xenomorph in this movie. Right. They, they, they don't call it that until until aliens. So uh, you you don't get the sense that this thing can change depending on what its host is. So um, w- one of the other things that uh, you see it very. Um, it, it's not clear, but th- there is like an, an almost human skull inside of of its like large phallic head. Uh, you know, it, it is us because we birth it, but what we birth is the most perfect killing version of ourselves, the most perfect weaponized version of ourselves. Um, and, and, and yet it, it, it strips away all the things that make us human. Right. Uh, so our, you know, uh, our, our skin is like, it's, it's, it's charred away you know you can see it's 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 bones through it's you know um you know almost inky skin right um it, it doesn't have a, a use for lungs because it's got these like giant pipes that like burst out you know wh- whatever it is that it needs to breathe right you know um it's its tail is this like giant piercing thing um and and then of course there's the dick mouth right dick mouth the 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 dick mouth i i think what what truly i'm sorry uh, david wait (laughs) (laughs) now this 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 isn't me like if if you if you if you've if you've you've read or watched anything about the creation of to to the casual listener dave did not just invent the term (laughs) no um uh, if you read or watch anything about the creation of Alien, um, Dan O'Bannon says that Alien is about capturing man's ultimate fear, and for which is a dick in the mouth. For, <laughs> oh my God! For for many men, uh, as it is for women, it's to be violated in that way. Um, okay, if you mean if you're going to be serious, about I mean, it. yeah. <laughs> And so what I mean, what, what does what does the alien do to Kane when it's a face hugger? I mean, it rapes him. Right. You know, it it, it enters his 
safety bubble, right? And, <laughs> and it shoves its dick into his mouth. And then it pumps him full of its stuff and then goes away, right? It totally yeah. rapes him. Like the, 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 the alien is a monster that's totally about violation. It's, it's violation on, on every possible level, on the most intimate level. Violation to the point where you no longer are you. You only serve the purpose of carrying the trauma of this other thing, and uh, un- until you die, and 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 you create more little versions of that thing. Like it, it's the uh, like I said, the the perfect killing machine, the perfect violating machine. So it's 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 absolutely terrifying because it is us. We do this. We do that thing that we're so afraid of. And yet we look at others who do that and we're like, oh, well, I can't do that. Right. You know, and so it's it's um, and then it, it just it looks so foreign. You know, the the design by H.R. Giger of this thing, it, it is, I I think, one of the if not the most terrifying movie monster ever created. There's yeah. there's there's something about it where like um, it, it is. You know, we hear that term nightmare fuel all the time. I think that this was the very first nightmare fuel. It's it starts and ends there. I don't I don't at all think you're wrong. Like it's it's such an incredible thing. And what's amazing about this versus the the various and sundry ones we get after this are you know, how much we feel like we know this thing with genuinely as little as we see it, Mm -hmm. right? But in the span of this movie, we are introduced to almost its entire life cycle. Once you, uh, later on, we get the introduction of the queen and and a couple Mm -hmm. things like that that add to it. But the the life cycle of one individual alien, we, we get the whole thing in this, right? Like we watch it grow, which is, which is odd. You know, it's a when when we're introduced to it, the it's it's not even a thing yet. It's you know, it's a face hugger. The face hugger is not the alien, right? Or it is kind of you know, it's that whole thing. Mm-hmm. But you know, so we we when we're introduced to it, it's that that moment when it bursts out of of the of Hertz chest, and it's just kind of like looking around for a second before it takes off. Yeah, there's this really weird moment where you get this like childlike wonder like like feeling from this really in that moment almost so ugly that it's cute if you can just pretend it and it just burst out of your buddy's chest right <laughs> I like that to david too because i laughed because it looked like it was looking around like mom mom trying to imprint nobody on here somebody. is my mom goodbye <laughs> and so you get you get that moment where it comes out and and there's there's just that split second where you're like, huh, maybe this thing's not bad. Like like you 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 forget, yes, that it just burst out of someone's <laughs> chest. But and then and then it takes off. Like, oh, okay, that's right. This is this is gonna be awful. And, and it, <laughs> it's gonna murder everyone. Yeah. Okay. We shouldn't. We should. We shouldn't have let that get away. We should. We should have stopped that <laughs> in his chest. We were all my bad. My bad. I could have grabbed it. Could have grabbed it. Did not. That one's on me, guys. I mean, it's just. 
it's but you're you know it's the the only phrase that that you can ever go back to that that makes sense when you're talking about the xenomorph is that one from the movie the one that you keep saying is is perfect killing machine Mm -hmm. just everything about it down to the fact that if you wound it it wounds you yeah like that's that's such a genius idea i mean there's no wonder that eventually comics and then and video games and then finally movies were like, there's only one thing in the world that can go toe to toe with aliens and it's the predator. It's a predator. Right? <laughs> like like there, there's a reason that it had to boil down to that because in, in, in like in movie lore, when you look at it as a whole, it's like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's a fair fight. Like I can, I can get behind that. And so you, but like you just, you see, everything about it and every bit of it is is deadly down to its blood which it just is such an a genius move i just love that so much like hurting it hurts you Mm -hmm. like how much more perfect can you get definitely yeah Yeah. i mean i think that there's so many different aspects to it that you could kind of go into with what makes this alien terrifying, right? The fact that like it's unkillable and that also it will kill you if you try and all these things that literally the only option is to just throw it into space, you know, like that is literally your only option, right? Like that's all that you can do. Um, But I think the psychological like warfare that it tries to play on these people is terrifying like absolutely wild like i mean we mentioned it before when dallas is in the ducks and it's just playing with its food like that's (laughs) crazy you know and um just like the cornering off of people right like is it trying to lure you know ripley into a trap of when it ripley tries to go into the escape you know thing right like yeah and that's that's such like in that moment it very easily could have followed her oh yeah but again you get that idea of like it knows that ripley doesn't pose a threat to it so like might as well have some fun right like i don't know at this point what it's a teenager right so yeah it's just like like, well that's that's one of the um one of the things that there's there's a scene that was cut that helps kind of explain why the xenomorph would choose to kind of like chill instead of immediately go after Ripley. Uh, And it's because it had spent the last couple of hours building a nest. Uh, Ripley stumbles upon a nest where the Xenomorph has plastered all of the victims that we think have died up onto, you know, the nest and, they're incubating yeah other other xenomorphs and so you come to realize like oh shit this thing is like hard at work like it's not murdering these people like it is literally ensuring the survival of its species it's trying (laughs) to build a family david it's so cute Uh, but building a family is hard work it really is yeah and, and so it's like i see a warm spot over here among the uh the you know the pipes uh so i'm gonna just chill right and that's why it doesn't try to kill her 
Right. And it's like, ah, you're one person. Well, what are you going to do to me? Yeah, exactly. I'll get to you. I'll get that or like, yeah, it's a snack for later. You know, it's a little midnight <laughs> snack. I'll save you for later. And and that's the thing. I think it's just absolutely terrifying how incredibly like intelligent it is, right? Like it's not just its physical capabilities. It's how incredibly smart and like twisted it can be. So that scary stuff yeah and that the the idea of the intelligence behind them is something that we get glimpses of in this one but i definitely think that as as other people took the reins of the of this uh movie you know most famously james cameron Mm -hmm. in in the second one that is an aspect that that i think that they they always continue to to uh to go deeper about is is the fact that they're not just they are the perfect killing machine but they're not mindless killing machines like the the idea of them being very very smart is something that they do build on more and more as the franchise continues yeah there's strategy there yeah so speaking of the fact that other people took the reins we are looking right here at alien so when we're looking just there there's a lot of names that go in to create this movie we've got dan o'bannon who was the writer of this uh we've got the production designers um i've always said hr geiger he he pronounces it as geiger I never knew that. Okay. Yeah, so I, H- I, uh, I thought Geiger as well because I, I think of like a Geiger counter. Yeah, you know? but yeah, me too. That's uh, but he, he's, he says Geiger. Okay, so H.R. Geiger who, you know, designed the Xenomorph. Um, and then, of course, Ridley Scott. I, I mean, the guy who was trusted to bring this all home and every one of them does their job so damn well. Just, just all of those parts of the movie. But when you're looking at kind of the technical aspects of this, if there's any of them that we haven't touched on, what is a technical aspect of this that stands out for you, Lisa? I think I kind of talked about it briefly at the beginning, but the score is incredible. Like mm. it tells you, I mean, and they're obviously the scores are supposed to tell you what you're supposed to feel at that moment. Right. Like that's, that's the <laughs> point of it. Right. But, um, I but think this the- was Jerry Goldsmith. Uh, oh, I don't know. You could lie to me and I'd believe you. So, um, hang on. I'm gonna music by Jerry Goldsmith. There Nailed we go. it. I was going to say, I was going to fact go, check myself. <laughs> um, yeah, I just think that it's so, it's perfect. The, the sense of like how the music is, where it almost feels futuristic, sci-fi and like that kind of way where it's like not of this time, but also just perfectly scored to, build the suspense where it needs to be. And I mean, we talked about it. The first half of the movie is basically all just like, not slow, right? But it's building. It's it's just building of things. And so that whole sense of you never feel like it's boring because you're constantly on edge. Like I feel like I'm in survival mode from the beginning, you know? Even like, you know, just being on that ship just at the beginning and you're kind of just, you know, seeing Jonesy just kind of like, go by and like move papers and stuff like that you're like oh okay like we're going there's something already in the ship you know and then you're like oh it's a cat okay cool you know (laughs) and so (laughs) as any good space crew has right (laughs) Right. i mean everybody needs one you know so um i would i would be able to tell you because i've been to space so right you know um so yeah the music for me is just absolutely incredible that's the part that i feel like really just brings everything together and it just kind of wraps it up in this perfect little bow of like you know what here everything is perfect for you you know so yeah 
Dave? Um, f- for me, there's two things. Um, one is H.R. Giger's uh, production design. Uh, if you look at the um, the sketches that were done before the film was made, uh, it was part of what got the movie um, funded in the first place. Um, like Dan O'Bannon is the guy who went out and found Giger. And he was like, I, I, I need you to do this for me. Um, and, and, and Giger was like all too eager to do it. And he was like a weird out there artist. I think he's, um, I think he's Swedish. Um, and he was, his art is not like anything you've ever seen before or, or, or since like, it's all twisted and, and dark. It's bizarre. And it's bizarre. Yeah. And, and, um, it's not quite steampunk, but it's got, it's, um, it's biomech. It, biomech, is, is biomech yeah. is what it's referred to as. Yeah, there. You, I was gonna say, like it's it, it's it's got mechanical parts to it. Like there's hoses and and you know pistons and stuff like that. And you see all of that represented both on the ship and in the xenomorph itself. Um, you know, with with like those giant pipes that come out of the back and stuff like that. Like it, it's all very, very foreign and very industrial at the same time. I don't think this movie works without that that you know design aspect to it. It's it's it, he single handedly gave an entire film franchise its look. Yeah, um, you know, in the same way that Ralph McQuarrie did for Star Wars. You know, uh, w- without the look of his spaceships and his um, you know stormtroopers and Darth Vader and and all these designs, like Star Wars doesn't look like Star Wars. It would look like every other sci-fi thing that came before it. And so like his contribution to alien, but to sci-fi in general, giving it a grimier, um, more, um, you know, a toned down look like not so futuristic, more like, uh, here's what it would be like if we actually went to space, you know, Um, I, I, I think that even shows like Firefly, owe something to this where the ships are very stripped down, very bare bones. Uh, you know, these are things that need to be affordable by people, you know? Um, so uh, That's first. Second is Ridley Scott. He is, I think an actor's director and yeah. um, like, he's, he's not a director like Scorsese where like Scorsese is like a camera director. Like this guy will do the most amazing shots he'll plan out and and choreograph these amazing shots that go on for two minutes and right that the, the, the going into the the, the copa cabana and goodfellas yeah man. i mean it's, it's one of the most iconic shots in film history that's not really scott really scott doesn't do stuff like that really scott is kind of like the nostromo itself much more utilitarian he's much more concerned with capturing the moment in in its purest sense and that's part of what makes ridley scott so amazing he can film a movie like um gladiator yeah and you're like oh man that was amazing and he really didn't do much with the camera he just made sure that you picked up every single little thing that was happening there right and yet he can also do something like thelma louise and you're like oh my god that was so awesome because he's picking up all the little 
I always forget. I always forget that he did tell me. He's like, when you said that, I was like, oh my god, yeah, that's right. Yeah. But it's like, it's not like your go-to. People are like, what are your favorite Ridley Scott movies? You're like, like Alien, um, Gladiator, Thelma and Thelma and Louise. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, oh, yeah. This that makes sense. This is this is what I'm saying though. You know what ties all his movies together is the performance that the actors give. Like this is a director that knows how to get performances out of his actors. And this is something that he did with each and every single one of his actors in this movie. And it's because he he has a hand in casting. He never just tells like hires a casting director and says like, okay, go, you know, find these people. He's always there. He's present. And he wants to make sure that there's a connection, not just with him, and the actor who's cast, but between the actors themselves, like there is a chemistry between these actors. And that is apparent from the very first scene where they're sitting around that table and talking. It feels like a family, a dysfunctional one, but right. it feels like a family. You know, um, he the performances he's able to get out of these characters. I mentioned uh, Veronica Cartwright as Lambert. Some of what he did in this movie specifically to get the performances he wanted out of these actors is going the extra step as a director. He very famously, when they were filming the chestburster scene, started the scene where John Hurt slams himself down on the table and he's flopping around. And then just before the xenomorph bursts out, he calls cut and he tells everyone to go to lunch. And so the special effects crew comes in and works on John Hurt while the actors are away. And then when they all come back from lunch, like an hour later, there's John Hurt in the same place they left him, but he's all rigged up. <laughs> and so the actors don't know what's going to happen. So what he captures is a genuine reaction from these actors. He knows that that's what he needs in that moment. That look of horror that you see on Veronica Cartwright's face, that is a genuine look of horror. And on the extended cut of the movie, it's even better. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. He he really, I think, you know, it's him and Giger and then, I mean, Bannon's script. Right. And dude, and that's that's exactly where I'm going. Look, Dan O'Bannon is a guy that we have in, in the movies that we've done so far have not had an opportunity to talk about. I know you did Return of the Living Dead before I was on the show. Oh, such a great but, but we're, we're going <laughs> to redux it at some point. Yes, we but, are. But Dan O'Bannon is such a touchstone in sci-fi and horror like he's he, when his i mean this is the guy if, if you're listening and and we're talking you know i'm sure you know ridley scott but if, if the name dan o'bannon just the name doesn't mean much to you this is the guy who was in on the original dune he made this he made return of the living dead he uh he made part two of the shorts i think in heavy metal um yes I he think did I read he, he, he he made the the zombie short on the plane yeah, soft landing. soft landing. Soft yeah. landing. Yes, that was Dan O'Bannon. Yeah, that's um, that's that's the one I knew was Dan O'Bannon when I was reading about him earlier. I was like, oh, he did, uh, he did another one of them. Um, but yeah, he did soft landing. He did Total Recall. Uh, yeah. I mean, the the guy he like he gets he gets sci-fi in this aspect. You know, like throwing the horror in there. Like, I mean, and he's work. Oh, working with John Carpenter on Dark Star. Oh, it's kind of what gave him his start. God, yeah. like Dark Star is 
Dark Star is one of like it's one of those like quintessential cult classics that the people you meet who have seen Dark Star are like fuck yeah someone else has seen Dark Star right <laughs> like like that's how someone reacts if you mention Dark Star and they've seen it because it's incredible but it's, I mean so, it's kind of like campy alien yeah 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 it really <laughs> is I mean so so he worked with John Carpenter on that he's worked with Toby Hooper I mean this is a guy who's just done it all so many names that we've talked about and what he brought to this was a script that was exactly what the set was and it was utilitarian nobody was giving big flowery monologues or anything like that because none of that would have made any sense with this crew we got we got a blue collar i take it back ash did and it made sense right because he (laughs) because he's an android and so everybody's parts were so perfectly written that then when these when these actors brought them to life it was so so good and like i said just a dan o'bannon is a guy that that just was always is going to deserve a ton of credit because he's just done so much amazing stuff going all the way back to the 60s or the 70s is um is when dark star came out it yeah. was in the 70s and um and so it's just like when I like when I remembered, you know, but he's also the name that's easier to forget, right? Like it, like when you're just thinking about it's like, oh yeah, it's the it's the HR Giger monsters and the Ridley yeah. Scott and the Ridley Scott movie. Um it, he, it's, it's he wasn't he wasn't often in the name. in the director's chair, you know. So he, he was a name that was right. often just you know buried in the rest of the credits. Yeah, yeah. And and so it's just, I mean uh, the guy, I, I mean, I, you, just, you just can't say enough about him and and the way that this was just so beautifully written. Um, there's there's one, and then just just about Ridley Scott. There's one, and this is Ridley Scott. This is special effects, but this is my favorite scene in the movie because I feel like it's the only movie, the only scene in the movie that's not completely seamless. But I love it so goddamn much. Is when Ash's head is on the table. And they're rewiring it, yeah. and then they get it rewired, and then there's like a smash cut, like, and the guy's there. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like, all right, the dummy head was bigger, but yeah, sure, no, right. no, I got you. This is good. This is good. Like that's, and it doesn't even pull me out. Like at this point, like I'm just so ready for that scene every time yeah. that I've just, I've just come to like love that moment, and I know that they got out of it exactly what they wanted. And the, you know, it's 79, you work with what you keep with work with what you've got. Yeah. But that, that is, that is like the one time that is the one time in this movie where I think the limitations of what you could do with special effects in 79 kind of show through. And because then, because then when they disable it, like it, there's another weird light cut and it's the obviously and it kind of larger. Yeah. And, like, yeah. And so, but I like, like the fact that it, okay. Yes. But I think if that movie would have been done now, a lot more would have been CGI and stuff yeah. like that. And I oh, love yeah. the practicality of the alien, how oh, yeah. it is actually similarly to like star Wars, how it was kind of like at the beginning, it was like, this is, practical makeup and those are prosthetics and all these things and so it looks real what you're seeing is what it is you know and so i like the fact that it was done in the time that it was done because yes as ridiculous as it is that you see this guy's head and then it's a dummy and all that (laughs) stuff whatever that aside i like how much everything else was just so incredibly practical this is what it is similarly to i don't know if anybody's watched stranger things this is not a spoiler 
Thank the you, villain Chris. for this. Yes, I don't like spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> the the villain for this uh, season. It was done mostly all through prosthetic stuff. Like it was not like in entered after like post-production and stuff like that so i like that kind of stuff because then not only are you as a viewer seeing it in the sense of like okay this is what like it looks like the actors really get into it right and so it's not like they're just seeing like you know a like a tennis ball where a head should be right like it's exactly <laughs> what it is you know yeah, so you yeah. can really get into it so that I, I feel you but also i like that it was done in oh China yeah no like done. i said it's 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 it is it's absolutely becoming it become an endearing thing you know we talk all the time about it's a real fine line when we watch these older things between you know stuff like what we got well th this is not a fine line this is a very thick line but let me make this comparison <laughs> it's when you watch this older stuff like you're always willing to kind of look through those rose tinted glasses of, of, you know, doing what you can at the time, but you barely have to do that with this. Whereas, you know, when we watched puppet master last week, it's like, Oh boy, this was dated when it came out. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah. It would have been dated had it come out 10 years before. <laughs> yeah. You know, but, and so <laughs> it's, it's funny how it's funny how that, that sits with people, right? Like there are certain things that you go back and watch and you love them for, how practical or at times like this scene, like the cheese happens. And then there are times when you go back and you're like, this is dumb. And why did I ever like this? <laughs> <laughs> um, and speaking of liking it or not liking it, all we've got left is to rate this movie. So Lisa, as, as our, as our guest in our summer fan fest, what have you chosen as the rating system? Space cats. <laughs> I love it. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. So it's how perfect. many space cats? <laughs> yeah. So And honestly, um, I feel like you can never have enough space cats. So I, I don't think you can have enough space cats either. The limit does not exist. No. So. <laughs> uh, uh thank you, uh Katie. Caddy. Um, <laughs> so so out of five possible space cats how many space Honestly, cats do you give this i'm gonna give it five space cats there you go yeah it was a solid solid film for not just what it was but for now you know it lives up to the hype the cast is phenomenal i mean even at the time of one you know you look at it now and you're like i was watching it and i was like is that a young john hurt what yeah. <laughs> and uh <laughs> i see so, you olivander yeah <laughs> So, you know, the cast is solid, like, I mean, and just the script is solid, everything about it, like I, you know, if I really had to sit here and think like, what was one thing that I didn't like about it? I don't think that there was one thing that I didn't like about it, you know, I mean, except for the fact that, of course, Sigourney Weaver, the voice of reason, was ignored every single time. But you know, but where was... would this podcast be without that trope? That's true. <laughs> true. Yeah, I, there was one point where I turned around to David and I was like, "It's fitting that the last person is a woman that nobody listened to in this entire <laughs> film." <laughs> well, the, the the last three people, right, were the two women and the one black guy. 
Right. I was like, and they were, were the, the three... only people who actually like had suggestions yes. that made sense <laughs> that no one listened to. <laughs> I turned around to David and I was like, um, this says a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm gonna give it a five space cats. So uh yeah, that's that's what I got. Daniel. So I have I have gone on record this show and um, and Geek More before saying that I, I like Aliens more than Alien. Mm-hmm. That being said, um, I will also, in the very same breath without batting an eye, tell you that this is a far superior movie. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie is flawless. This movie is perfect from every aspect, from the tight crew to the... I don't know the combination of costume and puppeteering. I'm guessing that it takes mm-hmm. to, to work the Xenomorph, uh, the, the, just the, the, like we said at the very top, the story that seems so benign and just, just like, it doesn't matter. It's just another monster movie, uh, survival flick. And then you get these great turns that make it so much deeper, uh, just the the give you know in, uh, introducing the world to Sigourney Weaver and everything yeah. that she's gone on to do, I, I the, there's there there there's no faults to be found in this movie. Like I said, that one tiny thing about the 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 dummy head and the real head, I just I fucking love that scene anyway. So <laughs> like I, I, I can't I can't find a single fault in this movie. And I am actually going to give this the Candyman treatment. I'm going to gold star this and I'm going six space cats. Like there's six out of five space cats. There's, there's, there's nothing to be missed here. This is 100% of the notes. I mean, from the time, the opening credits, that is such a cool fucking like i mean just like the way that it just slowly pops up the word alien like from that moment until it's all said and done there is nothing negative to be said about this movie I, that's that's a hundred percent and that's what it takes to 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 gold cat it in this situation so <laughs> yeah six uh six out of five space cats on this one uh yeah no there's no question from me either this is uh this is the maximum uh, six out of five uh, space cats. Um, I mean, it is one of the most perfect movies ever made. We've talked about the fact that there are degrees of perfect. Um, and uh, that's something that doesn't make sense. And yet it right. does. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Um, and, and, and this movie is as perfect as perfect can possibly be. There's no way to top this movie. There's no way to make it better. Um I don't believe that Aliens tops this movie. I do think that it comes close uh, and it's different. So right. and, and and I think that because it's different, you can say that it's um, almost as good or that it's as good because it's a different kind of movie in the same way that Terminator and Terminator 2 are. Terminator kind of borders on horror, too, yeah. um, whereas Terminator 2 kind of like Aliens is like balls to the wall action. And, you know, kind of nonstop. And uh, does it build on the special effects that the other one did? Sure. Yeah, it's, it's bigger and better. Uh, and Aliens does that, too. There are more <laughs> than just yeah. the one alien. That's, you know, it's very, you know, a aptly named. More. It's a lot more, you know, <laughs> and there's a fuck ton of space Marines and they're all badass. Um, yeah, they are. But I, I think there's something really scary about the one alien. Uh, and you having nothing in your arsenal that can 
damage this thing. Yeah. That's really scary. That's really scary. And 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 I, I don't know that any movie, um, any monster movie can get me as scared of its monster as this movie does. Uh, Predator may get close. Yeah, 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 yeah. And we yeah. and we, you know, before we did this on a while back, we had the conversation about whether or not like Predator would qualify for the show. I think now we can say that at least the it does. first one does. Yeah. 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 The, yeah. Um yeah, I mean the first one would be the only one I'd uh yeah. I I I'd do anyway. Um <laughs> the you know the second one has grown on me. Uh right. But um but but no, no, I'd be the first one. There's a new one coming out. It's gonna stream on Hulu. Oh, pray, pray. Yeah, it looks yeah. real, real yes, good. Yes, it does. It takes place a couple cool. hundred years uh, in the past. You know, a Comanche woman is uh, trying to hunt, and uh, there's the predator. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so there you have it. Six point six six space cats, devil cats. Five point six six. Um. Yeah, no, yeah. no. That's I, I, didn't, I, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't math right. I didn't math right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I was like, it can't be. It can't be over six. It can't be over six. We gave it only six. Uh, so five point six. Uh, so we round up uh, as as we always do here, and that's uh, that's six. Yeah. Um, uh, said six. Yeah, six. Uh, well, I didn't know we could go more than five space cats because <laughs> um, it's out of five. So I didn't know that. But do you uh, want to give it six? I think I would honestly. Oh, okay, I think so it's that is that is six. six six six. Well, there we go. That's Devil cats, Devil Space cats. <laughs> Devil Space. All right. Cats. Oh my uh, god, that sounds like a phenomenal band name. Yeah, <laughs> the that's Devil at least Space at, cats. at least a great album name. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Well, it should be the name of the band, the name of the album, and the name of the and title the single. Song. Yeah. Right, yeah. like like the song "Bad Company" on the album "Bad, Bad Company" for the, the band. band, by the Bad, band company. "Bad Company." <laughs> if it's not broke, don't fix it, man. Like... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh fuck, I love "Bad Company." <laughs> I got nothing against them, man. Yeah, I saw Paul Rogers once, and it was real good. Uh, I saw Paul Rogers front Queen once. It was weird. Ah, yeah, that is weird. That yeah. is weird. I remember when he was doing that. I'd rather I'd rather see them with Adam Lambert, but I haven't yeah, had a chance to yeah, see yeah. that. Uh, so there you have it. We have a perfect six out of five, which is a fraction that doesn't make sense. But that's how we do things here on Shiver, a horror movie podcast. And if you enjoyed what you heard, please check out some of the other Geek Bro Network podcasts, shows like uh, Mount Geekmore, like What's Up Bro, Better Let Me Tell You. Um, I was going to say Zeros on Heroes, but uh, no. I, you, I uh, think no, that's no, been around for a little no. while. For a long time. I don't yeah. know why I would have thought that. Uh, Adosavelli, uh, Comedy Fitness, uh, Kick Flicks, Crimacopia, Seasons, a TV podcast, all to be found at geekbro.net. And uh, you can find our stuff there. And where else, Daniel? Um, you can find us on all the social media at ShiverPod. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, Instagram is probably our most popular uh, of of those interactions. We've we've had a lot of people get um, do some great interactions. I try to release what we're going to be watching, some funny memes, occasionally put up a poll or something like that. So make sure you definitely check us out on Instagram. That's where we're the most active. Of course, if you head to ShiverPod.com, that will direct you to our part of Geek Bro. But one other thing we definitely want to ask you is if you enjoy the show, if you could do us two favors. One, share an episode on some form of social media. That would help us out a lot. But two, anywhere that you can get your podcast now, you can rate, 
drop a review, anything like that you can do is going to move us up that algorithm. And we would love that. Lisa, thank you so much for joining us tonight. You were awesome again, and Thanks we appreciate it. Me. Do you have anything you need to to promote or talk no. about to our listeners? No, I'm happy to be included. <laughs> okay, <laughs> excellent. So yeah, so definitely make sure you check us out on all that stuff. The new shiverpod.com is hopefully coming by the end of the summer. Summer school is um is wrapping up here soon, so I'm gonna have a lot more time on my hands and. The heat index today was like 104 degrees. So sitting inside on a computer seems like a far better idea than Absolutely. cutting grass. <laughs> <laughs> so on behalf of all of us here on Shiver, fright you very much. <laughs>